Hey everyone, this is Mike Flanagan, and on this episode of the Inside Bowling Show, we are happy to welcome Adam Barda. Adam is a tremendous amateur bowler and arguably the best in the country. The other thing about Adam is his willingness to give and do good unto others through his charitable events and contributions. You'll learn about all of that on today's show. If you found our show by now, you probably know that we broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube, and you should head over to those accounts by searching Inside Bowling to watch the program live. If you're enjoying our show, do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. We would really appreciate that. Also, if you'd like to support the show, head over to InsideBowling.com as we have a merch store. You can save 15% with coupon code IBSHOW. Elements from today's show were intended for both video and audio. And as always, we do apologize if at some point in the show you can't follow along. This is a great reminder to head over to our YouTube channel as all of our shows are archived. So here we go. Strap in. This is episode number 12 with Adam Barda. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Mike and Matt back with you here on the Inside Bowling Show, episode number 12. It's Tuesday. I had to look at the calendar just before I turned the music down. I think it's April the 28th, Matt, but I really can't tell what the hell day it is. And yeah. I don't know why I feel that way today. Yesterday, I said I thought things were back to normal. Today, I'm a mess again. How are you today, Matt? Doing good, man. I'm right there with you. I wake up. I don't know what day of the week it is. I don't know what day of the month it is. I don't know what the weather's like. I don't I don't know anything. I feel like it's just uh, been locked in my house and I have no idea what's going on in the world. Yeah, and you've you've got uh you got a lot of stuff going on over there with you today. Those of you that are watching uh virtually on YouTube and Facebook Live, you've got uh a new uh headset, uh you've got a new yeah. microphone, you're using your beats now. Yep, I uh, I uh, reconfigured the internet again last night for an hour and a half and got uh, the other computers hardwired in. So I'm the only one on the Wi-Fi. So hopefully that will make my interconnection, uh, internet connection um, not suck moving forward. So we'll see. Yeah, and you've got uh, one of our Inside Bowling shirts on, the Not Bowling Suck shirt. And I think that's pretty appropriate for today that, uh, you know, Not Bowling does suck. And uh you know, I want to talk about coronavirus again here. We've talked about it a few times. We don't get into it every day, but I'm looking at my Worldometer report right here, Matt. And it looks like here in the, in the US, and I'm looking at the daily death chart, which is terrible for me to even have to say and speak out of my mouth right here, but yeah. but I do have some good news to report here for uh 
for the United States. And from what I can tell here, looking at the report, um, our our daily new cases have come down uh, for three days in a row after after peaking at our highest amount. So we are starting to see some dissipation. If that continues for three, four, five, six, and so on days, we might see some light here at the end of the tunnel and start to resume some sort of uh, public activity. I'm not sure what that looks like. I'm not an expert in that regard, but I also saw my home state of Missouri. I don't live there now, but I did see that they're looking to reopen the entire state along with Kansas uh, May the 4th. And that scares the bejesus out of me, Matt. It really does. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think uh, my mom is always very, uh, very consistent with watching the news and the new releases that come out as to what's going on. And, um, I think, you know, they said before we can start thinking about reopening and going through those phases that there has to be a certain number of days in a row where cases are going down um, or at least they're not increasing. And so I think we're getting close to that point where they're starting to think about opening, reopening a phase one. And I know I had somebody um, somebody contact me yesterday saying that bowling alleys, some bowling alleys in Texas um, might have permission soon to reopen at 50 percent capacity uh, somewhat soon. So scary for sure i just think we got to make sure that we're all following the proper precautions of when we do start reopening everything that we're being safe and we're not just being careless and just trying to return to life as it was before this all started yeah and i got to tell you i i experienced that um that 50 percent capacity bowling just before all everything got pretty much shut down nate our t-shirt guy yeah and myself, he's new to bowling and just taking on the sport and we went and bowled a couple of late night globals. And uh, the last night we went together to go do this, um, we were we were placed, you know, two lanes away from everybody. And they were even putting alcohol, rubbing alcohol inside all of the house ball uh, yep. holes and stuff. So I got to kind of experience what that looks like before all this went down. I don't know if it was smart of us to go out and do some bowling or not, but you, we just couldn't be helped at the time. So. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't know if you caught this, Mike, but Kegel um, in the recent times of coronavirus and people being really concerned with sanitation, Kegel is actually making strides to come out with different uh, products that you can use uh, for sanitation purposes to help uh, bowling alley owners and proprietors make sure that everything is clean from bowling balls to everything in the bowling center. So I think that that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I agree 100%. I think that uh, Kegel's trying to do everything they can. I know I talked to Chartrand a little bit, the CEO, even asked him to come on the program. And just right now, he's working on other things and he's a little... He's a little trying to figure out what he can do, and he's concentrating all his efforts on that besides shaving his head. But uh, if you're friends with Chris Chartrand, you, you know what that's all about. But uh, Jeremy Witt uh, has a question for us. We'll just uh, answer a question here out of the gate. It uh, looks like, love the three-pin showcase, buddy, on top of your cabinet. Can you talk about each one, what they represent? Sorry if someone asked this earlier in the weeks. Yeah, no one, no one's asked this, thankfully. Um, but I'm going to dive deep here, and I'll talk about these really quick. Um before we get today's guest on here. So this was the Dexter USPC high school, all American. So my senior year of high school, I was all American. Nice. Um, so that was a pretty cool accomplishment. I think it was like a thousand dollar scholarship. I got this heavy ass pin too, which is really cool. So uh, I'm grateful for this one. And then these two were um, both trying not to break everything here uh so these two were for the same tournament there's a big um a big jbt youth tournament called the best tournament anybody that's from the kind of northeast and i think a lot of youth bowlers just around the country know 
um, there's a big tournament and they make the lanes really tough. You know, you start with a house shot, then they make the lanes just brutally impossible for the rest of the event. And it's a lot of match play games. A lot of great bowlers have bowled it, have won it. And thankfully for me, um, I won this also my senior year of high school, right after my senior year of high school. And then the following year, I won it again, back to back years. And these are probably like, I, while it's on the youth circuit, it's probably two of the coolest wins of my career. Um, you know, it pays $5,000 for first both years. So this tournament has uh, helped me quite a bit with when I went to college. So that was nice. And also a funny story here is something went wrong with the trophies the second year. And they printed all of the handicap trophies properly. And they printed all the scratch trophies properly, except for the champion trophy. And so if you look here, it says, I don't know if you can see it. It says second place handicap division. <laughs> yeah. and I can promise you I, I did it come in second and I wasn't bowling the handicap division. Um, but these are two really cool trophies. So shout out to the JBT tours. Um, I think it's, it's run through PJBT. So that's really cool. Um, and then that big, uh, big gold one up there in the corners from when I won the uh, world youth championships in Hong Kong, um, a couple years after these. So just pretty cool to have these bowling pins to keep around, I guess, my, my small trophy case. Nice. Nice, Matt. You know, and, and I can't help but think, you know, maybe you and I should bowl the holiday doubles tournament together. Mike, if you can, if you can get us in, man, if you can get us into that exclusive event, I will bowl with you. Could you imagine? I, I, have, I have a habit, actually, of bringing people out of retirement because uh, the last time I bowled it last year or two years ago when I bowled it, um, I bowled with Brian O'Keefe, and Brian O'Keefe never bowls unless he's bowling with me. So we bowl the the only time during the year that he bowls is the Open Championships, and he bowls with me, and he bowls doubles with me. And now the only other time that he's ever bowled competition in the last I don't even know how long um, he bowled with me in the holiday doubles, and we made the cut. We were the cut, and we uh, moved to the top ten spots. So I would love to continue my tradition of bringing people out of retirement. And bowling competitively, I know you bowled La Raza last summer, and that's cool, and that's great. I'm sure you had a great time. But, Mike, if you bowl with me, we will make the cut. There's oh. no doubt. Your ball roll matches up perfectly for St. Clair Bowl. There's no doubt in my mind. That little slow wheel, oh, man. I would be trying to keep up with you. That's what. That's the truth. I'd be trying to keep up with you. Well, speaking of holiday doubles, uh, one of the favorite teams over the years that's come to St. Louis to bowl that event is Liz Johnson and Adam Barda. They've missed the last couple of years because there's been a competing event that Liz has gone and bowled and Barda only bowls with Liz. So um, I think that's a good opportunity to bring in Adam Barda into our program. And he is at work today. So no video, just audio. But I'd like to welcome Adam Barda to the program now. Welcome, Adam. Are you there? How you doing, gentlemen? We're doing good, buddy. Um, thanks for taking some time in the middle of your work day to spend some time with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. I got my, uh, how do they say that? My radio face on, right? <laughs> I was wondering if you broke the camera today. That's uh, quite possible with this look I got going on right now. So it's probably a good thing there is no uh, um, camera on me. I can sent you, you a picture. Can you describe your look to the audience right now of what you look like today? So we can all well, close our eyes. Let's all close our eyes together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Close your eyes and visualize that um, I'm not a small human being. Um, <laughs> I was at one time 310 pounds. I dropped myself all the way to 217 pounds. But thanks to the COVID virus and Marcy's cooking, I probably put on another 20 pounds. But the problem being that my hair has grown to a point where 
I either have to choose from looking like Mr. Heat Miser or somebody that uh, needs to register himself to not be close to school zones without saying <laughs> what the word would be. So I did for you guys. I went with the choir boy look, but uh, yeah, Mike, you'll see it in your inbox or your, your text messages, but um that's hilarious. Yeah, my my look of disgust. We, but we, I, we thing... went from visualizing what Adam Barr looked like right now. I visualized this like a YouTube clip of like a fitness goal of Adam. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is uh, this quarantine has not been good for my waistline. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's funny. That's great. Yep. I should figure um, out how I can put this up on the screen. A great look, Mike. See, and I came back to Mike. My... If you send it, if you send it to me through WhatsApp, I can throw it up on the screen. So if just forward it to me. Yeah, I'll do that. We'll figure this one out. We'll yeah, we want we want everybody. We want. Oh, maybe the one. Well, maybe we'll do that. We're just gonna keep that picture up on the screen the whole time. There you go. Um, but yeah. I did come back to this room that I have here at work, where I put I take um, all not all of the pictures, but a lot of the pictures that I've taken over the years with just various people and um, the people that I've met. I've put it up on this huge wall, Mike. Matt, I don't know if you've seen it, but Mike, you've seen it numerous times where it's kind of like a fan wall looking thing. But, um, you know, it's something I'm proud of just, you know, the people that you meet in bowling and uh, over the years and the great memories you take. I just kind of like printed them all up and put them on this huge, this this room that's back here. There's, God, there's probably like 3,000 pictures back there now, but you'll see it, Matt, once uh, Mike sends that picture to you. Great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. And speaking of the memories and all the people that you meet through bowling. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about today was the world record that you hold. You hold the world record for the most strikes in an hour at 2,708. And you also, are for the most pins knocked down an hour, sorry. And then you hold the record for the most strikes knocked down an hour, or most strikes in an hour, which is yep. 191. Um, and you were doing those for a couple of great causes and, and different reasons. And it wasn't just about the bowling. Um, and I know you also have a habit of helping families out on holidays like Thanksgiving um, and giving back to the community. So this isn't really so much focused about bowling. I just kind of want to talk about how great of a dude you are and for you to let people know kind of the motive behind why you do these things. No, I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, in, in like you, you just said it on the head and thing, things that I've been preaching and, and I'm trying to pass on to my kids is that you know, each and every one of us have a special gift. Um, and the sooner we can find that out and the sooner we can use that to make the world a better place. And, um, you know, I always had a different skill set, um, you know, with various different things and in, in what I do for a living with collections and, you know, thinking that that's gratifying and helping people out. But, um, you know, bowling has always been good to me, but um, not until my father became sick and after he passed away did did i realize that i could potentially do something through bowling to help others and not only help spread his message and his story of of uh of hope and how powerful that is and just a i'm just going to take a few minutes just to to describe this if you guys don't mind no go ahead uh, how how this all started is that my father was diagnosed with cancer in september of 2010 and after he was, was diagnosed, they gave him a few weeks to live and, um, he was just devastated. Uh, the, I mean, just like anybody else would be the family's devastated and you're just scrambling for answers and second opinions. And, and, um, you know, I remember like it was five seconds ago, he looked at me and said, Adam, you know, what am I going to do? I said, dad, 
you know, outside of a second opinion, the, the, all we could do is hope, you know, fight like hell. And the, the story behind that is he ended up living uh, two and a half years. He got to see the birth of my son, Blake, and got to see Marcia and I get married and things that he never thought he would be around to see, to, to experience. He hung on and he ended up passing away in, in December, on December 24th, Christmas Eve of uh, 2012. So where this all starts is that the following year, uh, Marcy and I sat down and we're like, okay, well, rather than being sad and, and making, you know, this Christmas rough, let's do something in honor of my father. Let's, let's spread his message to other people that are in the similar situation that, that could use that uh, help of, you know, money or food or whatever it would be. In addition to spreading the power of hope, you know, my dad beat the odds. Why can't you? And kind of share that story with people. So that following year, in 2013, we, we delivered to um, a few families. They were affected by cancer, and, and the response was just amazing. So stemming to getting into these Guinness records is that um, in 2014, uh, October, November of 2014, there was George Ferlingos. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him, but he was from Australia. He had this Guinness record, did a really cool YouTube video uh, that was done by him and Storm, and they did the, you know, this thing where they built it up, and he had this record. It was 2,132 pins in an hour. So I get tagged on these Facebook posts, and it's like, Adam, you got to do this, blah blah blah. And I'm like, guys, I'm 300 pounds. This dude runs marathons. Uh, not gonna happen, you know. So a few weeks, few months goes on, and you know, keeps escalating. Craig Elliott reaches out, Lori Moraz. Um, Hammer reaches out. They're like, you got to do, I mean, this is an opportunity for you to, you know, to do something cool, you know, with your social media base and something cool. But more importantly, I started to see it as an opportunity to where if I could do it the right way, I could create a foundation in honor of my father and help raise money. And we could deliver it to that many more families. So my focus changed a lot and it changed even more so when I saw this Facebook post, uh, where they said Adam should be more worried about his weight and lasting an hour than beating the record. So I'm like, okay, well, I mean, you guys know me well enough. It's like game on, you know, let's do it. Let's use it as an opportunity to raise some money and let's see what happens. So um, apply through Guinness, which is not an easy process. And my wife and I created a foundation, Barda Nation Families Foundation, where, where we created this thing where we can bring in money and, help deliver to families. So the practicing of it, the very first time I practiced, it was, you know, you want to throw it with the most pins in an hour, you, nine is okay. So I'm shot after shot after shot after shot. Marcy's sitting there and I'm like huffing and puffing over the ball return. I'm like, how long have I gone? Like 40 minutes? She goes, 12 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. So now it's in my head, you know, and I'm not mental or anything, but it's like, dude, you, you better worry about last of the hour. You know, you, you're, this is stupid. So anyway, practice session, I did twice a week, 400 and some shots an hour. It was unbelievable what it did, you know, the toll on your body. Long story short, uh, the TNBA offered their services. Craig Elliott offered his services to do the live stream up in Wycliffe, Ohio for, and uh, for the most pins in an hour. Again, the record was 2,132. Not until the Tuesday before I was going to bowl the TNBA, did I beat the record by 80 pins? I'm like, okay, you can last the hour. You're not going to make a fool of yourself and you can beat it. 
get to the point, TNBA, uh, I, I finished second to Haggett. So right after that, Elliot's like, let's go, let's go. And Marcy's like, how are you feeling? I'm like, oh, my God, this is stupid. I'm like freaking tired. She goes, well, you better suck it up. So here we go with the record. And then ended up 2,708 pins. I beat it by 500 pins. I have no idea to this day, you know, what took over my body and how I even freaking did that. But all of what that was for was strictly the foundation and helping other families. So that turned into when I was down below in the Lucy with uh, Kayla Bandy, uh, Boyce, Boyce Lejeune reaches out and says, hey, you know, my daughter's really intrigued by your record. She would love to meet you. You know, is there any chance that, you know, if you have time that you could stop in and stop by and see her? I'm like, absolutely. Uh, so Kayla and I and Ginger Best and Natalie, we, uh, we meet up with Boyce. And here he says that, uh, that Paige, which is his daughter, uh, she's at the Texas Children's Hospital, which, um, you know, Boyce kind of gave a heads up. He's like, hey, you know, the four that she's on, these are all sick kids that are terminal and, you know, it's not the best of scenes. Are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, you know, I'd never, I've seen sick people. I mean, watched my father die, but it's like, it's a whole different ball game when you see a sick child. So get to the hospital. As soon as that elevator opens up, there's this four-year-old boy, probably weighs like 30 pounds. I'm like, oh my God, like this is real. And that could be my kid. And it's, you talk about a punch in your gut. And um, just right then, and I'm not even to this girl's room yet, and I'm already, like, upset. So I get to Paige's room. This whole room, you guys, was filled with Captain America, Superman, just all superhero stuff. Not one time did this girl talk about how sick she was, uh, her illness, just none of, no, neg no negativity, just everything positive. And she has this Mustang that her uncle um, is going to buy her for her 16th birthday. And she wants to drive all these wants to be a nurse and all these things. So as we talked about the record and I said, you know, what page I said, if I ever do another Guinness record, I'm going to do it in your honor. And, um, you know, not really realizing what I was getting myself into at the point. I just knew that if I ever did one, I didn't have any plans to do one that I would do it in her honor. Why not? You know, it's a, it's a good thing to do. So as I'm leaving, you know, Boyce says, hey, just so you know, you know, Paige is very sick and she, you know, may not have that much longer to live. And um, if you're going to do this, you better do it right away. So this was in August. And as quick as we possibly could, um, everybody that we had on board before, Turbo, Hammer, Logo Infusion, Craig Elliott, um, we, we made this thing happen, but it was going to be in my local center. And this record was going to be for the most strikes in one hour. And we did this, the, and I'm sure you guys have seen the shirts around, but the picture that is page on it and the theme behind it was promised to page because that's what it was. This was all about page and uh, sharing her story and, and uh, helping also with the foundation, but also her family. So get everything built up. Practice session was just as brutal, if not worse, because now, your focus is throwing strikes because nine does you no good. So um, there was some, you know, planning going on there as far as how to go about saving some energy and still being able to throw strikes. But anyway, two weeks before the record, Paige passed away. She got to see the jersey. She got to see all the planning. And um, 
you know, just complete devastation. She passed away and my, my mother and my mother-in-law flew with the June family up to, to witness this record, flew them up, put them in a hotel room and they didn't know what to expect. And I didn't know what to expect. I mean, it's your hometown. You would expect some support, but the key with how we were trying to raise money was you had to get people in the building because we had so many donations with um, Chinese basket and just bowling balls and everything else, but that you can't raise a lot of money if people aren't there. Anyway, I would say between five to 700 people were, were on site to witness this record. And again, the Lejeune family didn't know what to, what to uh, expect. And uh, Scott and Ron Killian, uh, with Ron Sign Shop, they did all the the banners and and the scoreboards, and they donated everything. So, here the record was 176 pins, and with about seven minutes left, I was behind what what pace we had set, or I was supposed to be at. And here I ended up throwing like 17 in a row with with like five minutes left to pass the record. And the screaming and the yelling and the and the joy and the emotions were just unbelievable. And one of the cool parts of that too was Larry Lichtstein was there. Um, and I go, I know you knows you guys know who that is, but he was, I went back to listen to his live stream part and he's like, you know, I've never witnessed, you know, a Guinness record before and, and to witness what this was, was for is probably the most amazing thing I've ever seen in, in, in my bowling life. And for someone like that, you know, to say that, I mean, the, the things that that guy has witnessed in his life to give you a compliment like that should, you know, really make, really sets it in. But we were able to raise almost $11,000 that day, half being for the family and half for the foundation. But, um, and this thing, the, the family foundations turned into a monster. I mean, it's, we've delivered to well over a hundred families. I think we delivered this year to, um, oh geez, 10 or 12 families. But, um, yeah, and the message we deliver and, and the joy with these families is, is truly amazing. So thank you for letting me share that. Sorry for taking up, you know, too many minutes, but it is worth sharing. No, without a doubt. I don't think there's anything to apologize about. And I think that that's just all incredible. And one of the amazing things about people like yourself and, um, you know, there are a few others in the bowling industry, you know, Chuck Gardner has his foundation bowl for life and, uh, Dell and Carolyn Ballard, uh, Ballard have their Ballard versus the big C and there's, um, the Barneses have their work with the uh, JDRF. And I just think it's, so great um, to see all these bowlers come together and work hard to make it more than just about bowling and make it about something bigger. And I want to I want to change things up a little bit and I want to put it put it things on a little bit of a somewhat happier note here. And I want to show everybody <laughs> what Adam's working with right now. <laughs> so I think we're just going to continue the rest of the show like this. Honestly, this way when there people you go. are rolling down, they're like, "Oh my God, Bart." Bardo, what is that? What's what's going on there? I tried to hide my six chins by taking a picture from above versus below. So it's all about the angle, man. It's all That's about right. The angle. That's what Marcy said. Adam, I have a couple of follow-up questions to your story. Um, two things come out of that for me. Number one, I'd like to I'd like to circle back to the very beginning of the story when you lost your father. You and I had just gotten to know each other a little bit. I was kind of breaking onto the bowling scene with inside bowling, hosting some tournaments and that. And I was really looking forward to you coming and bowling the holiday doubles that year. And I particularly remember when I look back at the history of what we've done with inside bowling, there's some, there's some moments that stand out to me. One of those moments is that year 
when you came in and when you sat in the booth and we talked about your father and you had a really big decision to make, whether you stay home for dad and family, or if you get back in the saddle, head to St. Louis and bowl the holiday doubles with Liz Johnson. And could you tell us just a little bit about your thought process and coming to St. Louis and how you felt lacing them up right after your father had passed? Yeah. Um, and I, I, you, you definitely had me choked up there and you've got me choked up now, but, um, um, the, the decision wasn't too difficult of one. I mean, I had to get my Marcy's blessing and, you know, she's, she's so supportive of, of everything that I do, you know, for bowling and, and sacrificing family time is, is one of those things. But, um, my family's very supportive of that. And, and, you know, we sat down and, and talked about it as, you know, is the timing right? Um, is it too soon? And for, for me, it didn't feel like it was too soon. And, and another part of that is that I didn't want to let someone else down. If it was a singles tournament and I wasn't already committed and obligated uh, to do it, it may have been a different story. But, you know, any opportunity that you get to bowl with one of the best or, in my opinion, you know, the, one of the best women bowlers ever to walk on earth. Um, you never want to turn that opportunity down. And, um, you know, it, it was, yeah, I think it was what a week after he had passed away. Um, but the decision wasn't honestly too difficult. It was getting my mind off of it and, um, you know, get, being around friends and, you know, just, just kind of like little change of pace rather than staying home and, and, uh, you know, focusing on just him not being around anymore. And Liz Johnson, you have a great relationship and you've missed the last couple of years of the holiday doubles. We're looking forward to having you guys back and, and looking forward to that, of course, as always. And you've, you guys have quite a little fan base in the <laughs> St. Louis market just because you guys have bowled together. And I believe you finished second twice in that event, right? We finished second back to back years. Yep. Uh, to Adcock and Queen and. I think it may have been Adcock and Queen twice. No, yeah. no. Well, they did win back to back. I don't remember if it was. Yeah, that was it. They beat us two years in a row. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you're welcome, guys. And a lot, of, a lot of people talk about that tournament being very lefty centric and how the lefties dominate. But uh, Barda and Johnson are both right-handers, and so are Adcock and Queen. So, so everybody come bowl the holiday doubles right or left-handed. By the way, my yeah, se- right. my second follow-up question for you, uh, Adam is I just watched this thing on YouTube over the weekend with this guy named Mr. Beast. He's like the biggest thing on YouTube. He he connects and unites everybody together. He's doing things for, for good causes, such as planting trees, millions of trees all over the world. He did that last summer. And the guy's just got an, a very inspirational YouTube channel. And if you were a YouTuber, Adam, you could potentially be Mr. Beast. And the reason why I bring this up is over the weekend after I watched this paper, rock, scissors, raising money for for coronavirus, uh, you know, a, a cure and helping the hospital workers out. I thought to myself, man, how could Matt and I do some sort of like telethon on the weekend with this show and and bring all these bowling people on for, say, 72 hours straight or something like that? And it went into my mind and out of my mind in about two minutes, right? But then after listening to your story, and I knew we were going to have you on, and I knew we were going to go here, but now there's something going through my mind that this is something that should actually happen, 
right? Like this is this is more of a priority now. I don't know how I do it, but it's on my brain more after talking to you. And the reason why I bring that up is it does mean that you are an inspiration to others. We hear your story and now other people want to act out and do something for it, whether if it's donating to something you have going on or doing something themselves. And you were inspired by your father. And I just can't imagine how many people have been inspired by passing that along, by listening to your stories and wanting to do something. Have you had people over the years say, I did this because you did this or, or things like that? Any of those types of stories? Oh, and I am not exaggerating by saying this. It's thousands, thousands of stories. What I'm sure you guys have heard of the thing, pay it forward. Okay. And um, the, the, the lady that I work for here is, is uh, her and her husband are extremely generous people. And they did a thing one year where it was kind of like pay it forward. But um you know, my, my biggest thing is, is like what I had mentioned earlier, every single one of us has a gift and, you know, you, you making the world a better place. Doesn't mean, doesn't always have to mean giving somebody money or anything else like that. I mean, it's simple things like if you have an old neighbor and you see that, you know, she takes her trash out and it's somewhat of a struggle for her to bring a trash can up to her door go pick up the trash can and bring it up to her door. You know, it's, it's little things like that, that add up to be this, this monstrous thing. Um, like I said, it, it doesn't have to be money. I mean, for me, um, you know, spreading the, the power of hope and that message was, was a very important thing, but you know, these people were truly struggling, but you know, it, in my situation, I, I had an Avenue and I had the support of, people in the bowling industry that would supply me with, with the tools I needed to raise money. And that's the thing about this bowling world. It's, this isn't about storm products. This isn't about hammer products. It's not, it's the bowling world and the people in it are, are truly amazing people. And in the time of need and the time of struggle, we don't, we don't care if you're, you know, where it's coming from. It's just the fact that we're helping people period. And, like you said, Chris Barnes, the Ballards, um, you know, everybody, you're on to something, you know, here for sure in that you could get everybody to unite. And for the most part, you know, you don't hear too many people like at that Lucy doubles. I mean, what Donna does is, and, and her crew is just unbelievable. Um, you know, you always hear about it. And, I, and I've read about it, but to be there to witness that the fundraising is, is truly amazing. They don't care what ball staff you're on. They, they're just looking for support to help others with breast cancer, you know? So, I mean, f for me, it's, again, it, it goes back to, it doesn't need to always be about the money. Do you need money there to facilitate things? Absolutely. But, you know, cutting your neighbor's grass, go rake their leaves, uh, you know, and just to add one more thing, I mean, you want to make the biggest impact you can on your family and your friends and, and have that positive reinforcement um, and to know that your kids are doing the right thing. My son, Logan, I've got to give him some credit here. He did these, him and Marcy did these blessing bags, you know, for a senior project of all the things you can do. He had this thing as senior, these blessing bags where he delivered to a, a battered women's shelter uh, and two other homeless shelters. And these, these bags were, you know, toiletries and, and 
you know, snacks, non-perishable stuff. Like, I forget what the number was, four or 500 bags. He did this on his own as a senior project. You know, so seeing that trickle to him and and what he's done for other people is is you know to me it's it's unfreaking believable um you know so so the impact and he impacted three or four hundred people's lives in one day you know why can't why can't other people do that you know you just got to sit back and think of the little things you could do to make someone's life better that's it yeah great advice I man agree more and i think also there's a positive effect where it just it really just makes you feel good you know like i uh my girlfriend lives in colombia and on every wednesday night uh, before this whole coronavirus happened her and her family would go to the specific part of the city in, in bogota and they would feed 40 to 50 homeless people every single wednesday night and they would make spend the day making sandwiches making hard-boiled eggs making a specific, specific tea and i went and i did it with them a couple of times and after i did it i was like what am I, what am I doing with my life? I should be doing this all day, every day. Cause it just makes you feel so good to know that you're giving back to the community. So I really commend you Adam on all the things that you do for bowling and all the things that you do for, um, just for, for humans around the world, because it's, um, it's pretty incredible to see somebody use the platform of, of bowling, um, to the fullest of its, of its capabilities. And um, I'm proud to call you a good friend. Appreciate it. Thank you. Adam, also, um, not to overshadow all of the all the charitable things that you've done, uh, but you've got a hell of a bowling career uh, as well. And uh, I want to dive into that a little bit. A couple of interesting things for me is, you know, I talk to a lot of people in the industry, and and I think we even asked Dave Wadka. I believe it was Dave Wadka. Is my memory starting to go a little bit? Who's the best bowler he's ever seen uh, that would have won a title that that didn't go on tour? And uh, immediately said your name. And I've heard that from a multitude of people. Uh, you've got a very established uh, amateur career uh, as a bowler. Um, my, my first question is, uh, have you ever considered uh, the tour uh, earlier in your, in your bowling career? And, and why did you uh, determine that you should just stay amateur? I did. And, you know, part of me still, still wants to go do it. I mean, ever, ever since I was a kid, I mean, I lived at the bowling alley and watching bowling on Saturday, you know, on ABC, um, you know, just, but, um, you know, for me, um, I, it was, and I'm not, I'm not saying this in an arrogant way, but I, I always thought that I had the ability, um, to go out there and compete. But for me, um, I felt that I had to make a decision early on in my career that, you know, are you going to chase your dream or are you going to turn your, your focus to make a career out of something else and kind of like become a weekend warrior? So, uh, for me, an opportunity where I've been at this job now for 22 years, um, I chose the path of stability. Um, I mean, here I've got, for me, it's a little different now because I've got a family of six now. But um, even when I was single, I mean, this opportunity of um, there was no glass ceiling here. And, you know, you could make good money, but I had benefits. I had retirement, 401k, ESOP, profit sharing. So for me... Um, you know, do I, does part of me regret not going out there and, and fulfilling the, you know, the, the, the mega question in my head is the what ifs. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I still have a dream to go out and maybe one day on the senior tour, I, I don't know where that will lead me, but um, I do regret not going out, but I don't regret 
Um, and even this pandemic has kind of opened your eyes for me um, to realize that if I was on tour and that was my only only source of income, um, that I'd be hurting right now. I mean, right now I'm not hurting. And, um, you know, you can't strike forever. The, the thing for me is there's going to be a time where your ball stops striking. And at that point, what do you have to fall back on? You know, could you go into the bowling industry? Probably. Um, but ultimately, what is there for you to fall back on that that's going to be there for when your ball doesn't strike anymore and you want to be able to retire and have a, a pension and income, you know, things like that. So um, that's it. And, and, you know, a few years ago, back at the World Series. Yeah, I was going to uh, go there next. Yeah. You know, I, I, I told Marcy and, you know, Mar Marcy, again, being unbelievably supportive, she's like, you're stupid if you don't go, you know, they're letting amateurs bowl, go try it. You know, so, um, you know, for me, I'm like, okay, you know, why not? I, I don't bowl on these patterns, but, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, you know, you're, you're, I'm an amateur and these guys are seasoned professionals with, you know, they, they've got the resources, but I had, you know, I had resources to do. I've been on staff forever and I, I could have gotten a ball if I needed to, but, um, you know, for me, it was like, okay, can you hang with these guys? You know, you're in their sandbox. These guys have seen these patterns. They, they, they see them develop, they see them transition and, you know, whatever. So what the heck? I took my league balls and, you know, I remember Rob standing there behind me. He's like, is this what you got? And I'm like, it's what I got, dude. You know, so um, I think I ended up drilling two balls during the week. But long story short. Well, let um, me interrupt you for just a moment because I was covering this event. And I remember being there with you and talking to you. Two things happened there. And I want to set this up. Okay. The way the tournament worked was you had to make it into, I believe, the top 16 each each animal pattern. And right. if you did, then you were inserted into a bracket, right? So you had an opportunity to make it on, I believe it was three animal patterns and then try to qualify for the world championship was what you were going out there to try to do. The PBA opened it up to amateurs that particular year. You and Marcy talked. I got to go to Reno. I'm going to bowl this thing. I particularly remember that you bowled 300 in one of the events. And I'll let yep. you tell the story of how many cuts you made and how close you were to the world championship. Yeah. Um, first pattern was the cheetah pattern and I bowled 300. Um, that's my favorite pattern, just playing out toward the gutter. I have most success playing out that way just because of, you know, my style of game. But, um, yeah, and there were three animal patterns and, um, uh, I had a good, I had good success on, I think the Viper was the last one. Um, and I forget the one in between that may have been scorpion, but, um, I kind of maintained on that pattern. I was like in the middle of the pack and then on Viper, um, I had, I had a really good run of like two or three games there in the middle. And at the end, I'm kind of like watching, you know, the cut, you know, where this cuts at, it was like plus five Oh, whatever. And, um, I remember coming to this pair and the pair was absolutely freaking awful. It was not even close to what, you know, any of these other pairs were doing. And, and two of these guys on my pair, um, you know, I forget who, uh, yeah, not Angelo. Anyway, um, these guys immediately change balls and move like 15 or 20 left. I'm like, what the hell? You know, so they knew, you know, and I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm struggling through four or five frames. And finally I was like, screw it. You got to jump in with these guys. Long story short, I ended up being the number to make the cut for the world championships. And then, um, you know, I, I crossed with Belmo and that was an experience. Uh, 
um, he came up and shook my hand, super, super nice guy. And he says, you know, I don't care what anybody says about me. I'm not a shim wrecker. And he took this ball that looked like a freaking snowball and just ripped it right through the middle, you know, just jacking around. But, you know, just uh, it was a funny story. But um, no, the, the experience was amazing. Uh, I did have good success. Uh, I lost a rhino um, page in the round of eight or whatever that was. And then, uh, you know, world championships. I don't know. I moved, may have moved up seven or eight spots. But uh, that was somewhat of a relief for me knowing that, um, you know, never really bowling on those patterns. These guys see them all the time. I had good success, bowled 300 and didn't really have much equipment to play with either. So it makes you think that if you see that more often and there's more resources available to you, you would think that, you know, your outcome and your success would only be better. So that, that kind of made me feel good. I mean, you don't bowl anything just to cash in my mind. I mean, you bowl to win. Um, not winning is just a result of your performance, but, um, yeah, I mean, I was pleased with my, 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 uh, results, my, my finishes. And you've also had some, uh, really good success at the USBC masters. As a matter of fact, you've done some things I don't believe anybody's ever done before. Could you share with us some of your best accomplishments at the masters and the things that you've done there? I know you've bowled some three hundreds. Yeah, I've got. I've got three 300s um, in the Masters. I bowled it, uh, I think th this past year would have been uh, when it was in Vegas. I missed the freaking match play by one pin. I wanted to stab myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, three 300s. I have one in Vegas. I had one in New Mexico and one in Milwaukee. Um, and I think at the time when I may have bowled it in New Mexico, I never really looked it up, but um, Jan, I don't know if you remember Jan with USBC and uh, Tom Bodecker, they had told me at the time that it was the youngest one to ever bowl 300 game. Uh, but I, I'm sure that's been beaten by now, but I never looked it up to see um, anything about that. But um, yeah, I mean, I've made match play a bunch of times. Uh, uh, Dave Wadka, funny story. Um, Dave, if you're listening, I know you're automatically know you're going to know where I'm going with this, but I was bowling Dave in the match play. I believe this was the round. Oh geez. Of 16 to get to eight in the winner's bracket. So, I left a seven ten, and Dave, you know, turned around the couch and, you know, they weren't fist pumping. Dave had more respect than that, but, uh, you know, in his, in his stomach, he's like, Oh yeah, you know, I just got to get up there and mark. Well, I freaking picked up the seven ten against him to this day. You know, he always teases me about it, but, um, yeah, I picked it up to, uh, to advance against him in, in match play. But, um, yeah, I've always had, you know, good success in that tournament. Uh, like I said, three, three hundreds and, this past year, I, I missed the, the match play by a pin, but, um, you know, at least I know I still, you know, it could be relative and, and competitive for sure. What is your, what is your bowling, uh, tournament list, you know, before quarantine going on? What, what are you, what are you bowling these days? You know, what are you bowling the most of, uh, are you still bowling <laughs> as much as you ever have or, or still a weekend warrior? You got four kids now. I mean, how do you do it? Yep. Um, like, bowling, uh, bowling work and my kids, uh, you know, in the order of priorities, it's family, you know, my full-time job than bowling, but, um, no, I mean, I, I still, you know, do the league thing and do a lot of promoting through there, do a lot of promotional stuff, uh, loyalty thing back, loyalty things back to, you know, the hammer brand. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, I pretty much bowl every weekend. I bowl the, the big amateur stuff, uh, you know, your Bud Light challenges, your, uh, the masters I had planned on bowling this year. Um, you know, your, your bigger events that you could bowl. Um, I had intentions of bowling holiday doubles again, but Liz had an obligation overseas. But, um, um, you know, I mean, 
pretty much anything I could bowl, I'm, I'm bowling it. Um, and I've been able, the kids are old enough now where I could bring them with me and, you know, they could kind of experience that. So yeah, there's definitely not been any breaks. It's just a matter of, you know, picking and choosing and, and what my time available is, is that, but yeah, it hasn't slowed down. That's great. Yeah. Matt, what do you got for Adam today? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Adam did a pretty good job of helping everybody get to know him and uh, helping everybody understand. I think that the important thing that we try to get out of the show is that we try to, sh- we're trying to display what a wonderful platform the bowling industry is and the bowling world is. And sure, we like to talk a little bit about bowling, but I think the thing that Mike and I most like to talk about is the, is the other stuff that people don't necessarily know about or um, the things that aren't talked about as much. And I think that watching what you do um, for charities, for the bowling industry as a whole, for just other people. I know I keep kind of repeating myself here, but I just think it really is amazing. And I think that in an industry where, you know, um, you touched earlier about, you know, you chose stability and you chose to go to the route where you would have a little bit more consistency or probably a lot more consistency than if you were to just go out and live the tour life. Um, and I think it's great to see people um, where sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard to be, uh, it's hard to have that positive outlook and it's hard to give to others because you feel like, you know, there's not as much for you. Um, so I think it's just great for people to see that there's always room, whether it's money, um, whether it's by just doing a kind action, there's always room to help other people. And, uh, and again, I just think you're an awesome dude. And you've, I've heard so many Adam Barter stories over the years <laughs> and, um, I'm glad that we got to share the appropriate ones here on, on this show. Yeah. Keep it with the appropriate ones. Yeah, there's three. When I think of when I think of three, if I had if somebody came to me and said, "I, I you need describe Adam Barta in three words," right? Um, one would be uh, great, and that is to describe bowling. Um, big heart. I know it's more than one word. We'll put would, a hyphen in there and kind of try to make it. There you go. Would would be your charitable thing, and then humor. Uh, would be the other one. The, one of the funniest the, dudes I've ever met. Without, without the, the relationship <laughs> you have with your with your brother <laughs> is a whole show in itself. Yeah, um, there's another show the for that. Moms in the car and the videoing of that and the posting of that online, and you know it really kind of ties into the whole Jim Valvano speech, Jimmy V Foundation, which is laugh, cry. Um, you know, you have a good day. And I, and I really think that's what, what describes you. I think your, your path that you've chose, you've stuck to it. You've, you've been successful at life. You've been a family man. You've gone through a lot. You've done everything you possibly can with what God's given you to be able to do good until others. And you still like to like to throw the rock around as much as you possibly can and make sacrifices to do so. So that's a pretty complete, complete life cycle there. And you've got a lot of time left here on this earth. And and I'm really looking forward to seeing what other things that you do throughout your career as a fan of yours, of just observing everything that you do. People can can find you on on Facebook. You're on you joined Instagram last year. Could you tell people yeah. how people can find you and keep up with all the things you have going on? Uh, best thing, and I appreciate that, uh, would be on Facebook. Um, that seems to be the biggest following. Um, it's Adam Barta, and then uh, in quotations, Barta Nation. Uh, you'll see the link there. It's, it's a, the, the profile picture is a picture of my family. And, um, you know, that this thing is, has grown into an amazing thing. Um, I do well when bowling 
league season was in, we do contests each week with ball giveaways. And uh, when I go to tournaments, uh, depending on uh, how things are going in the tournament, if I make the finals, I'll put a, if I win, you win kind of thing to kind of like keep people engaged in, in following the tournament, but following that, you know, if I were to win the tournament, I'll pick one person at random that, uh, you know, to win a jersey bag, bowling ball, whatever it be. But, um, you know, the, the biggest thing that on my page that, that seems to have the biggest, biggest, biggest success, excuse me, would be the uh, Guess My Series. And, and the thing behind that is it's a league thing that I do on Thursday nights. But I think the important thing is that that it doesn't take any time or any thought. And people treat it like a lottery. I mean, I get I was reaching I have five, five, six thousand people a week just guessing um, you know, just in that thing and, and just, you know, the, the keeping people engaged, interested and in, in coming up with new ideas and things like that. But, uh, yeah, if you guys want to, you know, if anybody is interested, you know, please check out that pagers. I'm putting things up there all the time to, you know, help people out and, um, promote it. Yep. Yes, absolutely. But, Love uh, it. Love it. yeah, uh, it, it, it's, it's a great thing. I think I've got, I don't know, maybe 14,000, you know, fans on there, but, uh, the Instagram thing, I'm still kind of, you know, working my way through. I'm, it's my fault and it's, it's probably a, a sign of laziness. Uh, but I've got, I've got to figure that out and get that boosted up. And, and I know Mike, um, you know, I'll probably circle back to you and Matt at some point to, to get some help with that. But, um, I definitely use the Facebook as, as a platform to, to reach so many people in you know, various ways. And it's, it's definitely been successful. So. Two final questions before we let you go and let you get back to work. Again, we want to thank you for your time today. Uh, number one, how many 300s are you up to now? 214. 214. That's a big 214. I'm, I'm going to start practicing. I'm coming for you. <laughs> and uh, the second thing is, is uh, you've had a, a, an incredible uh, career so far in the United States Bowling Congress Open Championships Tournament. ABCs is what they used to be called. Uh, how many eagles do you have? Three eagles. Three Eagles, yeah. And those events that they came in were? Uh, team in 15, team in 17, team all events in 17, and then I think I was fourth or fifth in singles that year. That year. So, yeah, a couple – I had a top ten in doubles with Hugh, Hugh Miller, and that was the previous uh, – whatever year that was. But anyway, several top tens, but three actual Eagles. And we finished and third in – and you're forced to be reckoned with at the Peterson tournament every year. <laughs> so another, another great tournament. For that is, that is my tournament there, boy. That's that, that was number one on my list for many, many years. So yeah, That's I've got great. six, six top fives, uh, a win in two seconds and two thirds. So Jeez. yeah. And a future TMBA hall of famer for sure. Adam, it's been a pleasure spending some time with you today. Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for promoting the show and keep doing everything that you're doing, buddy. I appreciate it. And I can't tell you guys, I can't thank you enough. I mean, Mike and Matt, you guys do unbelievable thing when I'm on my lunch break, I'm watching you guys every day. And, um, you know, the people you have on are, are great. And honestly, if, if anybody hasn't said it yet, I, you know, from the people in the bowling world, I, and we do truly appreciate everything that you do. And, you know, keep up the great work. You guys are unbelievably talented. So thank you. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Words, Adam. Thank you. Take care, bud. All right, Matt. Well, that's uh, that's Adam Barta for today's Oof. show. Our first uh, non-video interview, but it was still really good. And it'll be great. And uh, it's perfect. You know why? Because we also uh, release all these episodes on uh, on Spotify. So 
Phil? Yeah, I actually uh, just to just to some show some show updates here. Let's talk yep. about this show and the and the future of the show and what's going on with the show. So First I've been off, I'd like to I'd like to shout out uh, GH Jolly here, seeing uh, my skills improving. Thank you for the shout. Yeah, out. that was pretty impressive. Bringing up the I was worried about what what messages might be popping up on your Facebook there. You well, brought see, I'm not very active on Facebook, so people people know that nobody trusts to contact me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm sitting here. I think I think about this show, and I think about you know we've got guests booked through the end of the week. We got guests next week, and I'm seeing this quarantine stuff. Eventually, we're going to be out of quarantine, and and what? How long are we going to keep this show going? So. Matt and I have talked, and we're for sure going to do forty episodes. I think forty episodes. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna draw a line in the sand and de- determine where, what the future of the show is at that point in time. Uh, I'm enjoying doing the show. We're still trying to figure figure out exactly what our, our format of this program. But one thing that I am super proud of is the the guests that we've been getting for this program. When you yeah. try to figure out who you want to have, you know, do you want to bring in all the heavy hitters out of the gate? Do you want to mix it up each week and have A, B, C, so to speak, guest? You know, right? We're really just asking who who we want to have on. Um, you know, we could certainly reach out to to other folks that are a little more famous, but so far we're getting to the folks that we want to get to, and we've got we we put together a list behind the scenes. We have three hundred and fifty different guests in a spreadsheet of who Matt and I would like to have on this show. So I want to reach out to our audience today, Matt. And I want to let people know that if you have a suggestion on who we should have on the show, doesn't matter how big or how small, you can send us an email at media at insidebowling.com, media at insidebowling.com, and give us who your top three of who you'd like to hear on the show in future weeks, as we're going to do 40 episodes for sure. The future of the show, who knows what we're going to do. But I will tell you, with my with my commitments that I've had over the years, uh, I travel close to 200 days a year, which would make this show virtually impossible. Now, there are some opportunities here moving forward that we could continue doing the show, and I could choose not to go out and make money covering events in the field and providing food on the table if the show generated enough revenue through our merch store or through some sort of crowdfunding support. And I don't really like to talk about money, but this show right now, we're doing it simply because we're stuck at home. Now, if we get into the groove and this show becomes something, you know, very popular that people don't want to see go away, I don't see how we continue doing the show going forward. What do you what do you think of all of those sorts of things regarding the show, Matt? I think someone should come off the top ropes and sign us to a deal for like one hundred thousand dollars a year to produce this uh, high quality podcast live stream daily show here. I think that we're worth it. I think that you'll probably see no return on your investment, but it'll definitely be worth it. Um, and I, I, I don't know, man, I, I think that this is fun. I think that it's nice if people can continue to support us, you should get some of the country's top amateurs and a few college bowling's talking about things in the sport. That'd be good. That'd be really interesting to talk about. So appreciate that Ryan. Um, but yeah, we're just doing the best job that we can. We're just trying to bring some entertainment and some positive light. And like Mike said, to get the guests that we've had on so far, I mean, we've had Dave Ryan, Dave Lamont, Dave Wadka. Kevin Williams, Tom Clark, Randy Peterson, Carolyn Doran Ballard, Adam Barda, Chris Barnes, Stu William, Tommy Jones, um, DJ Archer, these people that we've had on this show and the people we're going to continue to have, um, 
it's just mind blowing, honestly. And I think that it just speaks uh, volumes to the support that the bowling industry is always willing to give. So yeah, if you feel like writing a personal or business fifty thousand dollars sponsorship check, so we can keep this inside bowling show going forever, um, feel free to reach out, and we'll put you, uh, you know, we'll put you in touch with uh, with our finance people, who is uh, basically just Mike, and um, and <laughs> we appreciate any help. Again, you guys could pick up some really cool not bowling sucks and other cool merch at insidebowling.com. You can use the discount code IB show for 15% off. Um, we, yeah, we just, we appreciate everybody's support and we want to keep doing this as long as we can. Yeah. And, uh, behind me, I've got all these things on shelves and whatnot. And I do want to tell you that I've also considered opening up a PO box where people could send us things and I would open it on the air. I have considered that. I just don't know if anybody would send anything. So if you have something you'd like to send some bowling paraphernalia or something that you would like, maybe you you're in charge of a product or something you'd like for us to open it on the show. I know we don't have millions of viewers, but we do have hundreds of thousands of viewers on the show. Um, I'm considering doing that as well. So if you have something, uh, send me a, an email uh, at media at insidebowling.com, media at insidebowling.com. Uh, but you can uh, also do that. But I just recently picked up a lot. And when I call you know, in the eBay world, a lot is known of uh, a whole bunch of things at one time being purchased. And, and I have that lot of things coming that I think the people on this show are really going to want to see. And it should be here for next week's episode, um, maybe with Marshall Holman. It's going to be best to do this with a throwback bowler, somebody who who competed against the person I bought the lot from. Uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to opening that on the air. And a lot of these items are going to be listed on eBay, and it's things that you can pick up, and, and, and it's a way to help support the program. So uh, the, the last thing I have about the show is that we did start archiving uh, this show in, in audio format only through the Anchor app. And the Anchor app is a great app. If you want to just start your own show or do your own podcast, check out Anchor. It makes it very easy for you to upload to the, to the cloud. And then they send it out to all the different places where you can find your favorite podcast. So we are available on Spotify. Last night, we got approved for Google Play. So we're available in the Google Play Store. We're also available in, on Breaker. We're basically available on every podcast platform that they offer except for iTunes. But iTunes takes seven to 10 days. And as soon as that does happen, uh, we'll be available on iTunes as well. So go search for the Inside Bowling Show. And even if you've already listened to the show or seen the show, do us a favor. Click the play button just for a few seconds. And if they have an opportunity to give a star review or type out a review, it really does help us out if you would review the program. So uh, we would like for you to do that if you possibly can. I listen yeah. to a lot of podcasts. I, I use Spotify and uh, iTunes uh, yep. podcast app. Absolutely. Me too. And uh, yeah, we thank everybody for always tuning in Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. here uh, with Mike and myself. It's always a blast. Feel free to, uh, again, reach out to us. Let us know who we should have. Let us know if you want to send us something uh, to open on air. Um, and yeah, we, uh, we've got another exciting show planned for tomorrow, don't we, Mike? Yeah, we got Jim Callahan uh, from Storm Jimmy Products, Tour Rep, uh, big baseball fan. So, you know, that's big what I'm going to talk guy. about tomorrow. But uh, just Jim is what they call him. And he uh, he suffered a heart attack about six or seven years ago. And ever since, he's um, he's just appreciated every single day that he's been alive. And we're looking forward to having him on the show tomorrow. He's a very entertaining guy. He's from the East Coast. He's hilarious. And uh, it should be a good show. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. 
tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern, as always, here on Facebook and YouTube. Um, and we'll catch you guys tomorrow. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for a great show today. Thanks to Adam Barda, our guest. Everybody be safe, be healthy. We'll see you on Wednesday. We'll keep doing this. We're committed to 40 of them. See you later.